on the Northland Outdoors Radio Network, this is Northland Outdoors Radio. For the next hour, we'll give you the latest on fishing, hunting, and spending time in the outdoors all across the Northland. Welcome to Northland Outdoors Radio. Now here's your host, Brett T-Bone Amundsen. Well, welcome to Memorial Day weekends. We live out an hour. Or Decoration Day, as it was originally known. An unofficial start to summer, barbecues, three day weekends, and an extra chance to get in the boat. It's also, of course, important to remember those that have died while serving in the U.S. military. For that, we say thank you for your sacrifice. And of course, thank you for listening to Northland Outdoors Radio. Just as free. We've got a very special show once again for you. We have one of the best stories that I've heard in the outdoor world. The story of how kicking bear camps got started. Ray Howell will join us once again to tell the story later this hour. He's big in the archery world and just big overall as he broke many bodybuilding records. Also, Joe Henry is back to update us on Lake of the Woods and the Rainy River. If you're thinking about heading up there, you'll want to hear what he's got to say. Of course, once again, I'm joined by the Northland Outdoors Radio staff, Greg Geyser. Hey there. Brian Peterson. How's it going, Brett? And Becca Clemens. Whoop, whoop. What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, Brian, by the way, it was your turn to bring fresh walleye in this week. Um, I ate it all. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was, was it really, covered, it was really good. Was it covered in bacon? <laughs> it was not covered in bacon, but it was covered in Mr. Walleye batter. And it was very good. That's, I'm going to add bacon next time I make fish. That's a great idea, actually. No, he just—he's a baconaholic, man. Right. I like fish before I like bacon, though. But if you can combine the two, really, I'm, I'm there. Have you done that? Uh, I did try it, and it wasn't—it it didn't turn out like I thought it would. I think it's because the bacon overshadowed the fish, didn't it? Um, actually, it wasn't a breaded. Uh, I like a light breading on my fish typically, and the bacon grease kind of overwhelmed the crappie. It was—it was a bacon wrapped crappie. I'd like some bacon wrapped crappie. Hold the crappie, please. It's Brian, it's Brian Peterson. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> so you went fishing last weekend, though. You caught a bunch of fish, ate it all, of course. Didn't yes. bring us any. I appreciate that. Yeah, sorry about that. Where did you go? Well, Upper Red. Upper Red, it's an annual thing. Went out there and followed a group around, fished with them. Uh, typical two days, typical thousands of boats, it seemed. Um, it just it's, it's the same every year. Uh, tons of boats, tons of fish. Uh, they've, they've got it going on there. How did you guys catch fish? We, we just jigged. We, we, most of the time we anchored and, uh, just jigged in that uh, muddy red water of about eight feet and fish couldn't see us. We couldn't see them. The fish were happy about that. The fish were happy until they got it, until they could see us. (laughs) But you know, it was was weird though. I heard the fish could smell bacon. (laughs) We're out of here, man. Did you ever fish? Did you fish with bacon? Is that what you were jigging with? No, no. um, Well, of course we've talked about (laughs) doing uh, pike on on hot Hot dogs dogs, before. So similar. You catch me on bacon. (laughs) You could could definitely catch me on bacon. (laughs) Is it like somebody could tie tie bacon on a string and just set it on the ground? Like a dollar. You You just follow it, reach over. If I got a hold, I wouldn't let go. It's like a raccoon. It wouldn't even have to be bacon, just scented. Something scented. Done. (laughs) This is Northland Outdoors Radio. Uh, That was Brian Peterson. He was up on Upper Red. You said it was pretty crowded. You saw a lot of boats Yeah, it was very crowded and everybody seemed to be catching fish. The limit's not what it was five years ago, but the fish, the size of the keepers definitely are uh, the limit is uh, two up to 17 and one over 17 
and that's about what we were catching. Everything around 17, 18 that's inches. Great fish. Yeah. Oh, perfect for yeah, for the, the frying pan. The numbers weren't quite they like they were say five years ago. We'd go out there for two days and end up catching a hundred and some fish. I think we totaled. Um, you know, we had our keepers, of course, and then probably another twenty fish that we threw back. You cut the cheeks out of them. I um, hope so. We we didn't catch any big. I mean, seventeen inches. The cheeks weren't yeah. that big. I mean, nothing nothing major. And we did keep some smaller. Some smaller fish because a lot of the guys like the you know the fourteen inch eat, you know eaters, fish sticks, fish sticks or fish walleye tacos. fingers. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I love fresh walleye. It is hard to beat that, and when you can catch a, a bucket full of them like you did, uh, it's you can't go wrong. You can read more about that at NorthlandOutdoors.com. Brian's excursion last weekend. That right there is what an elk sounds like. Only 338 elk tags are available for the 2016 hunting season in North Dakota. And when you think that upwards of 14,000 people apply for it, the chances of drawing a tag are pretty slim. But now there is a second chance, right, Greg? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, there's a group out of North Dakota that uh, got a tag through the state that they're going to raffle uh, for a fundraiser for Annie's house. And uh, Annie's house is a camp for uh, people of limited abilities to enjoy the outdoors. Their, their goal is to buy, I think, 25 adaptive sleds so they can enjoy the uh, Botano Winter Park area. And, uh, yeah, so the cool part is normally, as a non-resident, you have a chance to hunt North Dakota. But this, uh, this tag is going to be available to anybody, and it's going to be, a, uh, as I mentioned, a raffle in July. So you can actually buy tickets online. One for fifty, three for a hundred, and uh, you got a chance to to uh, get a North Dakota elk tag, and and so uh, what was that number? Thirteen thousand five hundred ninety people didn't get drawn. I don't know how many people are going to get in on this, but it sounds like the odds are pretty good to me. And it's for E one, which has got a ton of elk in it. Yeah, great uh, elk hunting zone, and uh, so you got a good chance at filling the tag too. So pretty cool. So anybody listening uh, now in Minnesota, South Dakota. Uh, Wisconsin, you if you've ever wanted to elk hunt in the badlands of western North Dakota, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. Absolutely picturesque. I've bow hunted for deer over there and had elk at 30 yards, big giant bull elk at 30 yards, and I'm just drooling, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing I can do about it because I don't have one of those once-in-a-lifetime tags. Well, here is your chance to get that opportunity to bow hunt or hunt elk. Uh, anyway, hunt elk in North Dakota with this uh with this raffle ticket and it's going to a good cause yeah and and how do they get tickets uh they can go online and get those uh you'll be able to find that on the northland outdoors website uh the link to go to that and uh yeah you can just buy them right online it's a pretty slick deal and annie's house you know annie was uh, killed in the 9-11 tax uh, attacks and uh this camp has been named in her honor and uh yeah so they do a lot of good and so win-win Go to NorthlandOutdoors.com for more. More than you ever wanted to know about. And now, everybody's favorite part of the radio program. More than you ever wanted to know about elk. More than you ever wanted to know about. In honor of this rare opportunity for a non-resident of North Dakota to get an elk tag, we're going to learn more than you ever wanted to know about elk. Are you guys ready? Always. Ready. <laughs> According to National Geographic... The average lifespan of elk in the wild are A, 5 to 7 years, B, 8 to 12 years, or C, just long enough to qualify for a discount at McDonald's. They get free coffee. <laughs> Brian. 
Oh, I'm guessing some of the younger ones, uh, it might be tough sledding, so I'll go with A. A, five to seven years. Becca? I'm going to go five to seven, too. And Greg? What was option B? Eight to 12. Yep. Eight to 12 is the correct answer, ladies and gentlemen. Question number two, what do you call a group of elk? Is it A, a herd, B, a gang, or C, something I'll never see when I'm hunting? What do you call a group of elk? Something I'll never see. Becca. <laughs> I'm going to go with gang. Gang. Greg. I'm going to go with herd. I'm probably wrong, but that's what I'm going with. Brian. Uh, doesn't mean it's right, but I've always referred to them as, or heard of them as referred to as a herd, so we'll go with herd. You know, most people would call them a herd. In fact, Mark Holyoke uh, from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, he's a director of communications, wrote an article about it online saying he'd never heard them called a gang before either. That is the correct answer. The best source he could come up with was the Book of St. Albans, an essay on hunting published in 1486. Wow. <laughs> they had gangs in 1486? <laughs> gangs of elk, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Probably why they're trying to control the population. <laughs> That's why they were kicked out of uh, Minnesota for the most part. Question number three, not about elk, but from the same book published in 1486. What do you call a group of wildcats? Is it A, a gaggle, B, a Google, or C, a destruction? Greg. A gaggle. A gaggle. Brian. It's, it's just so ridiculous, I got to go with Google. <laughs> <laughs> Becca. I want to go with a gaggle, too. A gaggle. The question, the correct answer is C, a destruction. Is it really? A wow. destruction of wildcats. Look out. They had some funky lingo back then. That's that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen what like a house cat will do to a house. When sometimes they, it's a destruction. Mm -hmm. I can understand it, I guess. I also, don't really like cats. Right. <laughs> right. Also, that book uh, <laughs> describes a waddle of penguins. They do waddle. Though. Yeah, that's I can see that. A, a murmuration of starlings. You're just making stuff up. <laughs> a tower of giraffes. Makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. An obstinacy of bison. Again, rolling off the tongue. Mm -hmm. And a consortium of octopuses. Octopi? Or is it octopi at that point? <laughs> yeah. Right. Not quite sure. How about a murder of crows? A murder of crows, yes. That one I'd, uh, I'd actually heard before. More than you ever wanted to know about elk. Question number four. According to the North Dakota Game and Fish website, elk are the only North American deer species to have what? Is it A, upper canine teeth, B, lower index fingers, or C, the ability to play a horned instrument? You know, the bugle. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Becca. I'm going to go with A. A, upper canine teeth. Brian. What is a lower index finger? I don't, it's a good question. We'll go with A. Ask the elk. <laughs> Greg. C. C, the ability to play a horned <laughs> instrument. The answer is A, upper canine teeth. Well, since there's no prizes, you can kind of just, you know. Do, 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 do. Right. <laughs> question number five. How long ago did wild elk cover all but the northeast corner of Minnesota? They literally covered almost the entire state of Minnesota at one point. How long ago was that? Was it A, the 1600s, B, 1950, or C, 1840? Greg. 1840. 
Brian. I'm going with 1840. And Becca. 1950. 1950. It's just, just a short 66 years ago that you could find them in Worthington. <laughs> it's like my favorite year. So. The, wandering in the Twin Cities. <laughs> <laughs> Head up an avenue. Uh, the correct answer is C, 1840. That is not that long ago. To think about it, back in 1840, there were elk all the way across the state, down to Iowa, all over the state. It uh, goes to show what happens when... Uh, when people and uh, habitat kind of uh, coincide, habitat disappears, so do the animals. I want to go bow hunting for elk, and you have to be in good shape to do it. I wish uh, I wish I would have started bow hunting when I was younger. I really wish I do. I wish programs like the Clay Target League and NASP were in schools when I was in school. Uh, then I might have enjoyed school more. <laughs> would have went to school more. <laughs> I, would have might, have, yeah, I might, yeah. have, might, have, might have gone <laughs> the whole time. But uh, we've got Clay Target uh, League Championships coming up. Of course, the, uh, the championship in Alexandria is happening uh, June 14th through the 22nd, the largest shooting sports event in the world. And NASP just wrapped up its national championship in Kentucky. And uh, Becca, what did I read? A, a Minnesota is an, is a national champ. Yes. Yep. A girl from uh, Stillwater, Rowan McAllister. She was the first Minnesotan to fi- finish first overall in the high school girls division. She was also the Minnesota State High School Girls Champion this past year in April, and um, she was just shy of a perfect score. She had two hundred ninety seven points. Oof. So. She, there was 2,004 other competitors in her league, which was crazy, too. I saw how many actually different divisions they had. Elementary school, middle school, and high school. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I can't awesome. believe that. That's so cool. But then listen to her, her prizes. She won a limited edition Guinness. Genesis. Guinness, Genesis. Guinness. 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 Maybe not for high schoolers, but Woo. I'll take one. A limited edition Genesis bow, a large trophy, and $20,000 scholarship. Nice. Yeah. That's where it's at. Dude, you need to go back to school. I am telling you, I've said it a million times, but this NASP and the Clay Target League, people have been banging their heads against the wall trying to figure out what to do to get more youth involved Mm -hmm. in, in the outdoors. Here it is, right here, what these two programs are doing uh, to get kids in elementary school, to get kids in school involved with uh, shooting bows and shooting guns. Zero Zero accidents, safest sport out right. there, and uh, absolutely huge. It's unbelievable. Well, Probably- they have more kids in this than they do in hockey, and this is the state of hockey. Right. And I was a hockey player, but I mean, dude, I would have totally went into that if I were that age again. <laughs> 200,000 people in Minnesota, or 200,000 kids, and she was first out of 2,004 girls. Mm-hmm. Out of the nation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I was going to say, in the fishing side, too, you've got the high school bass fishing, which is a big deal, although there probably have been a few injuries with the hooks there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if they fish like I do, <laughs> then, yes, there probably have been a few injuries. But you can read more about uh, Rowan and her accomplishment at NorthlandOutdoors.com, the very same website where you can find the Minnesota Weekly Conservation Officer Report, where we find people who are... Running afoul of the law. <laughs> running, get it, running afoul of the law. Uh, CEO Eric Sullivan from Walker contacted two anglers who stated that they did not have any fish in possession, yet they had a stringer over the side of the boat. When confronted with a largemouth bass on the stringer being kept out of season, one of the anglers replied, it was on there when I bought the boat, I swear, <laughs> officer. True or false, Becca? 
tempting, but I'm pretty sure that's false. It is false. The true story is that they did have a bass, and we're also using two lines illegally, so they were cited. Naughty, naughty. Wrote like a foul of the law. CEO Jim Guida from Brainerd was fining boaters $250 who are entering the water with zebra mussels attached to their watercrafts. One boat inspector was informed by a boater that he didn't have time to clean off all the zebra mussels off his boat and had lived on Gull Lake for 40 years and was grandfathered in. <laughs> so instead of going up to the decontamination station to get all the zebra mussels off, he just backed his boat right into the lake against the orders of the inspector. The inspector then swam beneath the boat and disabled the motor, keeping the boater near shore so the CO could find him. Brian, you had me until Jim started diving for zebra mussels. <laughs> yes, and, I, and, and he's a heck of a CEO, but I'd say that's false. False-ish. Uh, it was a true story up to the inspector swimming towards the boat. Uh, there was a guy that just said, I've, I've been here for 40 years. I believe it. I'm grandfathered mm-hmm. in. There's Gull Lake. I'm back in... He didn't care. Backed her right into the lake. CEO Tom Hemker of Winona received several wildlife calls, including calls on a roaming bear and found a fawn that was reported to have two heads. True or false, Greg? True. It is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. True, true <laughs> Really one of those shocked at the fast answer. No deliberation or anything. <laughs> Just bam. Yep. Double-headed fawns. <clears throat> For the complete conservation officer report for Minnesota, visit NorthlandOutdoors.com. That was running afoul of the law, ladies and gentlemen. By the way... Next week on this very radio show right here, Northland Outdoors Radio, we have a conservation officer, Brian Holt from Bemidji. He was one of those guys that rescued the stranded kayaker on the Mississippi. Do you guys remember Mm -hmm. uh, hearing that story? And when I pictured this rescue, I pictured a big DNR boat with some ropes and blankets and a big old campfire on on the deck of the boat, maybe a thermos of coffee. But in actuality... These two, uh, it was him and another uh, DNR employee, they had to take a canoe in heavy winds, bucking the current, cold water, freezing rain to rescue this guy and both his kayaks. The guy had a, uh, this huge kayak behind him full of, full of gear, weighted down. They were stuck like on a mud flat. The water, you know, the river was low. He was out in the middle. The guy said, I would have died if you guys hadn't uh, shown up here. And uh, if you've ever walked through some of that muck out there... <laughs> He didn't want to get out of his canoe because he didn't think he didn't think he'd make it. So uh, these guys rescued him. And uh, Brian is going to tell us the story next week here on Northland Outdoors Radio. Plus, we're going to talk about the results of the legislative audit of the Minnesota DNR's deer management. The results came out came out recently. You can probably find them on our website. But the plan uh, right now is to have Craig Engwall. He's the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association on to talk about the findings and what that could mean moving forward. And hey, guys. Guys, yeah, you guys, yeah, you have to hear this story of Ray Howell. He created the youth camps that are popping up all across the country called Kicking Bear. You have to hear where the name Kicking Bear comes from, too. Ray is coming up later in the show here. Plus, Joe Henry is back with another Lake of the Woods update next on Northland Outdoors Radio. Guys, have a good weekend. You too, bud. You too. Happy Memorial Day, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Sounds good. Just as free. How would you like this to be the sound of your alarm clock? 
The Lakeshore Kings have your chance to spend weekends and weekdays in Lake Country with the unique opportunity to own and operate your own resort. Birchhaven Resort on Birch Lake near Hackensack offers sunset views from its sandy beach and comfortable cabins. And it's on the market at an extremely reasonable price. Contact Steve Leary or Preston Peters of Exit Lakes Realty by visiting lakeshorekings.com. That's lakeshorekings.com. And begin your life at the lake today. Hunting waterfowl around Lac Quiparl is a Minnesota waterfowling tradition. Watson Hunting Camp is Western Minnesota's premier full-service waterfowl hunting camp. Stay in the Watson Hunting Camp Hotel or Bunkhouse and have dinner in the Watson Hunting Camp Restaurant. Fishermen and campers are welcome. Watson Hunting Camp comes with RV hookups, live music, and drink specials. The Watson Hunting Camp Bar is open Wednesday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to close. Look for our billboard just north of Watson on Highway 7. For more information and directions, find us on Facebook or visit WatsonHunting.com. This is Northland Outdoors Radio. Northland Outdoors Radio continues. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism joins us. We're, we're into the walleye season and, of course, some of the other species as well. And it's hard not to think about Lake of the Woods when you think about walleye fishing in Minnesota. And, and Joe, when the weather is cooperating like, like it has for most of the season, I know we've had a little bit of rain here this past week, but, uh, boy, the, the fishing's been pretty good up there, hasn't it? Well, fishing's been good, Brad. I mean, man, oh man, you know, we went out to walleye fishing here uh, in the last day or so, and um, it's just been really, really good. We, uh, you know, had our limits right away. Uh, walleyes and sagras mixed. You get a mixed in pipe once in a while. You get some jumble perch, and we also got some nice crappies up here. You're up in the angle, right? That's where you can find some of those fish. Yeah. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah. So perch on Lake of the Woods. You know, uh, you know, perch are one of those fish that oftentimes you, you catch them. Uh, while you're fishing for the walleye. And oftentimes when you catch them, they can be really big. Yeah, probably not a, a species that uh, uh, most people would go out and target on Lake of the Woods. However, if, if you're with a guide, some of the guides know some little perch holes that you can do pretty darn good and get some good numbers out of. But normally they're a, a fish that you kind of add to the add to the basket. And uh, boy, when you get them, they are sleds. Man, well, uh, but let's not forget about walleyes. And, and how about down in the south end of the lake in the, the Rainy River? Are they finding fish down there? They sure are. You know, uh, of course, the Rainy River feeds Lake of the Woods, and on the Rainy River, they're catching fish um, from the mouth of the river all the way up 40 miles to uh, what we call Franz Javany or the Birchdale area. There's 40 miles of navigable river on Lake of the Woods, and so they've been they've been jigging primarily with a minnow and catching fish in anywhere from 5 to 15 feet of water in the river. And then when you get into the lake, you know, the lake is where most of our charter boats will do most of their fishing. Now, if it's a real blow day or there's a good population of fish still in the river like there could be now because of the recent spawn, um, they will target the river. But the charter boats have been out fishing on the main lake and, and pulling in really, really good fish. Uh, there's a lot of roaming schools of uh, walleyes and sagras out there. And what they're doing is they're targeting, you know, bait, food, like they always do. And um, we're getting fish out there anywhere from... 15 feet of water all the way up to 28 feet of water right now. And we're getting fish across the lake. I mean, you're marking a lot of fish. The key is to find that school of fish that are that are active and eating. And um, our, our charters are finding lots of fish. But it's funny because they're going all the way over to the west. They're going north. They're going mid-lake. They're going south. We're, we're getting them all over. And uh, it's, just, it's not like there's one huge school that everybody's targeting. They're spread out. Joe Henry, Lake of the Woods Tourism. If people want to come up there and fish with one of those guides or find a resort to stay at, where can they find out all the information? Check out our website, and it's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 
We've got the story of Ray Howell coming up next. Joe, I don't know if you know Ray Howell or not. He started kicking bear camps. He's an accomplished bow hunter. He's uh, done a lot in the world of archery, and he's just got one of these truly inspirational stories. We're going to hear those stories. We're going to find out how Kicking Bear got started. It's something you're going to want to listen to. It's next on Northland Outdoors Radio. Just as free. You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.